Thank you, Brock. It's good to be with you today, wherever you are. Uh, we are here at uh, Junithan Campus, Bendigo Baptist Church, in the midst of, of restrictions, so we're, we're online. And um, I know people think Victoria is hogging all the restrictions, but uh, we're keen to, um, to be rid of them and looking forward to being back together uh, again. We're in Mark chapter 4, continuing on our series, or with our series uh, on King Jesus. I uh, want to urge you to grab your Bibles. Uh, if you're behind the screen there and you haven't got it, it's okay. Go and, go and grab it because we are going to be dipping into God's Word. And it's, it's always helpful to have it in front of us and to, to be able to look at it as we move through. We've been looking at uh, Jesus presenting himself as king in the book of Mark. And uh, we have seen that he's a king with authority. He's a king that, uh, that meets the needs of people as we go through. And, um, and we might ask ourselves, well, you know, uh, as Jesus is the king in his kingdom, we made the point early on that this is not a democracy. This is a kingdom and Jesus is the king. But we might ask ourselves, why doesn't Jesus just give us a neat definition of what the kingdom of God is, you know, something nice and simple. Uh, A definition I've read that you could use is God's people in God's place under God's rule. That's a good definition. And you might think, well, why doesn't Jesus just say, this is what it's about, a bit of elaboration, and then we've got it all sorted out. Well, what happens is that Jesus keeps on giving us parables or pictures that help us piece together what the kingdom of God is like. And I guess it's a bit like a a jigsaw. If you look at the definition uh, in the dictionary of a jigsaw, it says it's a puzzle consisting of a picture printed on cardboard or wood and cut into various pieces of different shapes that have to be fitted together. That's a description of a jigsaw. But it's not the same to hear that description as to get a puzzle out and start to fit it together, to find the pieces, to put them in their places, and to see that picture come to life as you make the puzzle work. During the last week of restrictions, um, uh, Alison, my wife, has been doing this puzzle. And um, this is actually called a wasgidge. I I don't know why. Uh, That's jigsaw backwards. It's a strange sort of jigsaw because what you see in the picture here isn't actually what's um, the jigsaw. But as she's, I uh, know oh that's random and strange, doesn't matter, uh, a wasgidge, uh, which is a backwards jigsaw. But as she pieced together the puzzle, little bit by little bit, she found the pieces and the puzzle comes to life. And I think that's what Jesus means for us to get as we, as he gives us these parables and pictures of the kingdom of God. He means for us to understand it, it can't be just reduced down to a definition. Just a nice succinct bit of logic that we can understand and read and put in our minds. But he wants us to see that it's big and there's all sorts of parts to it. And he's helping us to piece it together as we see all these parables and pictures that he gives us. And uh, the teaching, the miracles, the demonstrations of his authority is all helping us understand who Jesus is and what it means to be part of his kingdom. And so that's by way of introduction as we come in to continue in Mark 4. A couple of weeks ago, Dave was uh, looking at us or looking at the start of Mark chapter 4 with us. And uh, we looked at the parable of the 
the sower or, or the soils or the seed, whichever way you want to describe it. And there in the, in the start of chapter 4, we have a picture of God scattering his word, his revelation of himself out among humanity. And Jesus says in this parable that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, there are basically four human responses. And those human responses are pictured as soil. And the interesting thing is that three of those responses come to nothing. Essentially, they amount to nothing. If we're blunt and honest, that's what it's telling us. The human hearts pictured here, though some progress is made, are not renewed by the word of God as it comes to them. And the seed of God's word goes no further. And I just think that's a, that's a sobering picture for us to reckon with. But there is some seed, though, one of the soils. Seed falls on good soil. And it is it's a picture of a heart that receives God's word. It's renewed by it. It's reshaped by it in the power of Jesus living in us. And this seed goes on to bear fruit in this good soil. And as we sit at the end of this parable, we well might ask ourselves, well, what is that fruit? And again, Jesus doesn't give us a simple answer. But I believe we can understand verses 21 to 34, the passage that we have today, as, as helping us see little puzzle pieces that lead us to understand what it means to be fruitful in the kingdom of God. So as mean, as by means of context, that is what we're thinking about this morning. What does it mean to be fruitful in the kingdom of God? And Jesus is continuing on from the start of chapter 4. And, uh, and very simply, we see here before we read it, I'll give you the, I'll give you the summary of what we're going to read. We see that, that to be fruitful means we show Jesus to people in a dark world. That's verses 21 to 23. It also means, verses 24 to 25, that we share the truth of Jesus generously in a greedy world. And, um, and then we, we come up and we, we ask, well, is this really the way the kingdom of God works? And, and we find in verses 26 to 29 that as we do this, God will give growth. God will bring growth in his kingdom. And verses 30 to 34, he will bring growth beyond what seems possible. It'll be a great surprise. So let's, let's read God's word, uh, verse uh, 21 of Mark chapter 4. And then we'll look at it together. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as, as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. 
With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples. He explained everything. So firstly, what does it mean to bear fruit? Well, I think what we see firstly here is that Jesus says it means to be a lamp, to be a lamp. Uh, And I guess as we look at verses 21 to 22, to the original hearers as they hear it, um, Jesus is speaking um, about himself being revealed. You see, up until now, God's kingdom was a bit of a mystery as we come through the Old Testament. And um, and verse 22 probably describes that a a bit. Words like hidden, um, come to light. Um, The the words that... um, a little bit of a mystery of the kingdom of God. But but now it's clear that that kingdom is revealed in Jesus as he goes around and shows himself and, and speaks to people. No longer do we need to be in darkness, he's saying to us. The light is here. And, and in fact, he says those very words in John chapter 8. Over, over in verse 12, Jesus describes himself as the light of the world. Um, John 8 verse 12 He says, um, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And we sing that song, don't we? Light of the world, you step down into darkness. And I guess it speaks of John John 8 there. So as we are these fruit-bearing people of verse 20, God means that his word of truth and light that is growing in us will be reflected out to people around us in the darkness of our world. Not showing our own light and goodness, but showing Jesus and the truth of who he is to people around us. I guess he means, if you want a visual illustration, he means for us to be like this torch that uh, is shining light out. Now, there's so much other light here, you you can't see the full effect of that. Um, But he means for us to be shining uh, a light out, light that is reflected uh, from him. Have you ever considered this for a moment? Just pause there. You see, as I look at that, I was thinking, you know, God could put on his own cosmic light show every day up in the sky, in countries all over the world. He could put on his own cosmic light show in all the languages of the world. He could say, here is who I am. This is the truth of who I am. This is the truth of my kingdom. Look at it and live. And he could go on doing that every day, and it would be remarkable and amazing. But the reality is that Jesus, as Jesus describes it here, he is bringing his light and word into the world through people, people like you and, and like me. He is using us to be his cosmic light show to the world. And he means for us to reflect him and to show him to people around us. But here's the problem that Jesus uh, highlights here. He says, yes, a, a lamp, it, it is good when it's, when it's shining and when it's put out to shine, but it loses its effect when, oops, rubbish bin, something came out of there. When we go and put a basket over that lamp, that lamp that, that did shine, that was good, that was showing people the light of who Jesus is, it loses its effect when it's put under a basket, when it's hidden away. Jesus means for us 
to have our light showing. Now, I guess as we think about that, there are all sorts of ways in which uh, the lamp that we have in us of Jesus shining in the world might be dimmed and put under a basket. It, it, might, be, it might be our attitudes. It might be the lack of things that we want to show and say to people around us about Jesus. It, it, might, be, it might be sin in our life that just crowds the light of Jesus out. It, it might be all sorts of things that, that come to be a basket. But Jesus says, don't lose sight of what I mean for you to be as you bear fruit, as you are this good soil that, that grows and bears fruit. I mean for your light to shine brightly. And I ask you this morning, well, what does that mean for you? What does it mean for you to be a lamp, a light shining in the darkness? If you have the seed of God's word in you and it's growing and bearing fruit, where is God looking for you to be bringing light into the darkness around you? Maybe it's a workplace. Maybe it's, a, it's home in your family. Maybe it's, in, uh, it's amongst your, your social connections. There's all sorts of places. We'll go on because we'll continue to, to see this theme. Uh, and we find in verse 24 to 25 that Jesus is urging us also to be a spillway. Now, uh, by a spillway, I mean a, a dam overflowing. And I think you've got that picture there. Uh, that's actually Lake Epilogue. Uh, those who have got a keen eye will realize that. And uh, that's the spillway of Lake Epilogue going over. It would have been 2011, I think. Um, as it was flowing over and we had all the floods. And, and the idea of a spillway is that a dam is, is containing everything and it gets to a point where it can't contain it. And, and over the water goes, it just, it just spills out and floods out. And, and what Jesus wants us to understand here is if the kingdom of God is really growing in you, you will be giving it away. Have a look at verse 24. And, and this might sound a little bit cryptic, but it, it, it does make sense. He, he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. And, and, I, and I think what we can understand Jesus to be saying there is that the way to be full, the way to fullness is to empty yourself. And, and he goes on in verse 25 and reiterates that. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken uh, away. You see, Jesus wants us to understand that selfishly holding on to what we have will end up being our loss. Those who give will have more to give. Those who try to keep for themselves will have less and less. And we might ask, well, well where does that apply? And, and I think Jesus would mean this to understand here. And that applies everywhere. As God comes in and his word affects us and his power is at work in us by his spirit and we grow and bear fruit, he means that that will affect all areas of our life. He means that he will be flowing out to all areas of our life. You know, we, we might think about the knowledge of who Jesus is and the truth of who he is. And we, and we might ask, well, how do we grow in that? And I think Jesus' answer here would be, well, give it away. Keep on telling others about Jesus. Keep on sharing him with people around you. And as you do so, you will grow in the knowledge of, of who he is. You know, if you're, too, if you're too scared to do that, if you want to hold it to yourself, the knowledge of who Jesus is won't grow in you. 
Um, if you look around at, at people and think they're not worth your time and, and energy showing and, and sharing Jesus, oh, I believe God will shrink in you. You see, Jesus wants us to understand that the more you have a go at sharing and showing the truth about Jesus to other people, the more that truth and reality will grow in your life. And over and over again, I've found that to be my experience. I, I, I read God's word, but what really makes it um, bite for me, what really makes me think about it, what really makes me grow in it, is when I have to get up here and preach it. And uh, you, you, you will see, if you could see me, you would see me slaving away for hours. And, and in, in my mind, you would see there are things that are going ding, 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 ding. And then I, as I communicate them to you and try and put them in my own words, it, it, it bites into me, it digs in me and it grows in me. As I have conversations with people about who Jesus is and what he means, and I, and I think about, well, how am I going to explain this to this person in this context and, and what they can do? Well, inevitably, I grow in my understanding of who Jesus is. And I know you. there's all sorts of people out in front of me in the screen and in front of me here in this room that, uh, that have experienced the same thing. As we give Jesus away in the truth of who he is, he, he grows in us. The knowledge of him grows in us. We might think about relationships. You know, we might have the idea that, uh, that if we just go out looking for people who will be easy for us to relate to, and meet our needs it will all be okay but actually what jesus is saying here is that if you shape your relationships that way you will struggle relationally if you just make relationships all about what you can get and how your needs can be met you you will struggle if you head towards relationships to be a blessing to others on the on the other hand and help others you will be relationally rich you might think about money Uh, The Bible doesn't say that giving away your wealth will mean you make more. What it does say, though, is that holding on to your wealth will make your soul shrivel. Giving it away, though, will bring you a fullness you can't buy. And we could go on and on. But I urge you, don't play little tricks with yourself. Giving so that you will get. That's not generosity at all. You know your motives, and God does too. Think about the Beatitudes in, in Matthew. Um, there's uh, in Matthew chapter 5 there's these there's these beatitudes these lines blessed are the and Jesus goes on there's a whole lot of blesseds there and uh, but think about what it doesn't say it doesn't say blessed are those who hunger and thirst after being blessed nowhere nowhere does it say that you see what Jesus wants us to understand is we won't get happiness by trying to get happiness We won't get contentment by trying to get contentment. We won't get joy and fulfillment by trying to organize the circumstances of our life to be fulfilled and joyful. As God's people and as God's word grows in us, as we aim at God, we will get God and fulfillment. If you aim at just fulfillment, you'll get neither. As we aim at living rightly with God, you will get that and peace in your heart. If you aim at just peace in your heart, you will get neither. As we aim at being a spillway of generosity with what we have, you will have a fullness that will leave you satisfied as well. Do you see the picture? God means for us to be a spillway, to be a lamp, and that fruit shows we are part of God's kingdom. And wonderfully, it turns the way of the world upside down. 
nowhere in our world, in our culture, will this be the way people describe that we should get ahead. The teaching of Jesus turns the world upside down. You might look at that, though, and you might say, well, how do I get the power to be like that? It, it seems hard to be a lamp showing God in a dark world, to be a spillway giving him out all around me. How do I get that sort of power? Well, Jesus says, look, here's the wonder of the kingdom of God for you. And we move on to the next parable, verses 26. And um, there's two parables that he, he brings here. And he says, this is what the kingdom of God is like at the start of each parable, verse 26 and verse 30. And the first thing I want us to see here is that as we are a fertile soil for God's word, there is, there is power in it to grow and produce fruit. Have a look at verses 26 to 29. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed in the ground. And we had the picture of this man, verse 27, he sleeps and rises. The seed sprouts and grows while well, he does, and, and he wonders at how it happens. And Jesus goes on to say, well, it, it just happens. It has power there. And um, I guess I think of, um, sowing my lawn. Uh, I'm quite, uh, quite fond of my lawn. And um, when we were getting our backyard going, I prepared the soil and I, I went out and sowed the lawn. A- and wonderfully, it, it grew just on its own. I, I didn't go, have to go out and talk to it. I didn't have to go out and coach it. I didn't have to go out and, and give it a little bit of a G up when it wasn't doing what I hoped it would be doing. Do you get that? It, it grew on, an own, on its own. That's what a seed does within the right conditions. It, it grows. There is an inherent power there in that seed. As it dies, it comes to life. And, and so Jesus means to understand that for ourselves as well. As we, as we seek to be seeds that are growing and bearing fruit from the word of God, we can be confident that we will do that in God's power. We can have confidence that as we be a lamp and a spillway of Jesus and his truth to the world around us, God will be at work growing his kingdom. We may think we are small and insignificant and, and what difference could we possibly make? Well, we'll come to that in a moment. But we can encourage ourselves here in this parable that God will grow his kingdom. And, and we may think we aren't in quite the right conditions or we haven't got the right coaches or we haven't got the right people around us or perhaps we think we're not in the right place. And God says to us, take heart here. I mean to be at work in you and the power that is working in you will grow the word of God in you and it will produce fruit for my glory and build my kingdom. Don't think you aren't good enough. Or you aren't eloquent enough to be a lamp, to be a spillway. Don't think that, there, that uh, there are all too many barriers in the way or it just seems hopeless. God's power will be at work in people around us as we show and share Jesus with them. And then we move on to verses 30 to 34. And we find that um, as, uh, as he continues on, the kingdom of God surprises us and there is this picture that he gives of of a little grain of mustard seed verse 31 sown in the ground it's a small small seed and yet verse 32 it, it, it grows up and it becomes this this big tree there's large branches the birds of the air make nests in its shade what's jesus wanting us to understand here well firstly I think we need to see this is a picture of the kingdom of God, of, of God's actual kingdom 
uh, at work. It seems to start so small and insignificant, and yet it becomes so great and a blessing to all. Do you get that? God at work, he, he, he starts with, um, with Abraham, if you like, and he makes a promise to him. You, Abraham, will be the father of great nations, and, and they will be a blessing. And that little promise grows and grows into a family and a nation. Uh, and then he, he says, well, I'm going to send a Messiah that will be a, a blessing to all the world. And we wonder how that's going to be. And a baby is born. And it grows to be a man and, and that, that we know is Jesus Christ. And he provides blessing and shade for all as he comes to be the salvation of God for us. Now, we need to think about what the original hearers might have understood as they heard this. Um, I think they may have heard Ezekiel 17, verses 22 to 24. There's this cool little passage here in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 17, verse 22. Uh, Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one, and I myself will plant on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird in the shade of its branch. As birds of every sort will nest, and all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. A great tree planted by God that brings shade and resting place for birds. It's not a literal tree, it's a symbol. And do you hear the similarities there in that passage in Ezekiel with this passage in Mark? The original hearers, knowing the Old Testament prophets so well, would have been thinking, oh wow. This is, this is what Jesus is wanting us to understand. And um, Jesus is saying that he is that great tree planted by God to be a blessing to the nations. Don't miss this, though, as we think about Jesus, the great tree. Jesus, the Lord of the universe, became like a seed, an embryo, if you like, that becomes a baby and then a man. And he brings God's renewal of the world, connecting heaven and earth as he does so. This is beside the point probably, but my mind as I was thinking about this, um, just thought, you know, think about the light that sheds on God's anger with humanity as they built the Tower of Babel. And they attempted to connect earth and heaven. And God says, no, I've got prepared the one who will connect heaven and earth. You don't need to come up to me. I'm coming down to you think about that more yourself if you want but we find also that jesus does that connecting he brings heaven and earth together as he is nailed to a tree and and there's the tree that unites heaven and earth the cross and in it we see jesus not triumphing over defeat but through defeat he triumphs he goes down and he dies so that we might Live. There's all sorts of ways in which we can look at this picture here in verses 30 to 34. But in this picture, what ultimately we see is that we get to come and rest and make our home in the branches of this tree of life that Jesus is for us. And what we see there as Mark describes this grain of mustard seed, the smallest of the seed which grows up to be a great tree, is that in the kingdom of God, the way to go up is to go down. Following the example of Jesus, becoming small, humble ourselves. And then empowered by Jesus, we become what he means us to be.
We become this, this tree that, that brings shade and blessing to people around us. We become, I guess, this lamp and this spillway. That's another way of looking at the tree. And as we spill out and show out the light and the truth of who Jesus is, we affect people around us. People find a home with him in the branches of his tree. The kingdom of God surprises us, doesn't it? And what seems so small and insignificant here, a mustard seed, becomes so big and such a great blessing. And so I want to finish just by asking you, don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be a part of God's great kingdom purposes for you to be a lamp, a spillway, a great tree that is providing shade and blessing for others. That's what it looks like to be that fourth soil, that fertile soil. And you have the choice between, will I be that, that soil of, uh, of the, those first three soils getting choked out or will I be this fertile soil that produces fruit? To produce fruit is this wonderful picture that Jesus gives us here in the last half of Mark. You know, sadly, I think, sometimes because we don't dwell on, don't dwell enough on what God wants for us, all the fullness that God wants us to be, we don't, we don't allow these pictures to affect us, this picture of being a lamp or a spillway or a tree or a growing seed. We don't allow it to affect us enough and we settle for trivial little second-rate existences. Perhaps we, we think too small when God means for us to be part of something so much bigger. God has made us to be created for so much more. And that's the challenge I want to leave with you today as you, as you think about what it means for the word of God to affect you. Will you be a seed that grows and produces fruit, a lamp, a spillway, a tree that proves to be a blessing to all sorts of people all around you? Or will you settle for something less? I read an article this week that challenged me greatly. An article that, that spoke about the triviality of our culture and the way uh, as we imbibe it, it is shrinking us as people. It is shrinking our, our purposes, our vision, our hope. And it challenged me greatly. And, and I think Jesus speaks to that here. Will you be part of something bigger this morning? Be the fertile soil in which God wants to plant his word that you may grow and prosper and blossom and show Jesus and the truth he is of who he is to the world around us.